I want to read to you. I really enjoy prophecies and I take them. I said yesterday morning I take prophecy quite seriously because we can get a prophecy and unless we work into it, read it through, pray it through, sometimes we don't inherit exactly what the prophecy says because we say, oh well, there's a prophecy. I've got a prophecy. So why doesn't it happen? You know. And I wonder if the prophecy was right. Nothing's happened. But sometimes we've got to actually get hold of it. Say, Lord, you said. What are you going to do? I want this. I want this. is my word. I want it. And we actually pray it into being. Um, and so I want to read to you. Julian Adams gave you guys a prophecy on Sunday, the 6th of July, 2014. Not too long ago. Which Rob sent to me. And I got so excited because, I will read it to you, you need to understand that I'm going to break you into a, going to break you into a whole new place of authority. And God says you will be a hub for many churches that not only, not only in the stream that you're in, but for other streams as well. That there will be partnerships that will cross the boundary lines into Birmingham, Isn't that wonderful? And Coventry and Kenilworth. Yeah, you see? And different places around this region. For I will give you a fathering voice as a church. Do you know the nation needs fathers and mothers? And for a church to be nominated by God to have a fathering and mothering voice is such a healing and a comfort and uh, going to the vegetables that are under the ground that need fathering and mothering you will see those signs and wonders I'll give you a fathering voice of church to touch the broken and the hurting for surely I have found a people who have been willing in the day of my power you can actually pat yourselves on the back it's allowed you know We've been willing. You didn't even realize that as you gave into God, as you put some blood on your swords, you were actually giving in and becoming willing in the day of God's help. For, for this to be spoken of you is massive. Absolutely massive. And so know today that you are to see yourselves as an apostolic community. And it's interesting because I asked Rob in the groups yesterday morning, did anybody tell you anything new, was what happened? And he said, some people said that he was apostolic. Yeah, I've known that. Um, <laughs> and he's had various other words. But here among you guys have said to Rob, you're apostolic. And here's a word that, um, that you're going to be an apostolic community. An apostolic community actually helps others, builds foundations for others, calls others in, shapes them, molds them, sends them out, planting churches and so on. How exciting is that? Do you believe all this? Yes. You can do it? Yes. Thank God. But you can do it? I'm going to begin to add, there's going to be addition, there are going to be more people coming in this next season God says that the 300 mark will 
be upon you quicker than you would anticipate. You're going to need a bigger place for a weekend away than this then, huh? The 300 mark will be upon you quicker than you anticipate. And God says, I'm going to give you burnt stones. Stones that have been burnt out on religion, burnt out on ministry, burnt out on life, and I will cause you to bring strength to them again. And even as the prophet Nehemiah, and that's why I got so excited, began to build the walls, so this church will be known as a Nehemiah church that will build the broken walls and will restore the cities that have been ruined. That is a wonderful big call. And you know, while I speak this, it's actually to to own it, to say, we can do that. If God speaks it to you from a prophet... That means he's given you everything and will give you everything to bring it about. And I want you to know, says God, I'm coming with an anointing. Anybody ready for an anointing? This is the commissioning, you see. And the Lord is releasing an angelic presence, an angel to you, an angel of breakthrough to you. For there have been many churches that have come and gone in this region. And it's like there has been no breakthrough. It's like... There has been no definite breakthrough. And God says, I'm releasing an angel of breakthrough for you who will go ahead of you to open up the bridges, to open up the gates so that you will begin to walk through into the purposes I have for you and for this region, says the Lord. And as you know, angels have been sent as ministering to come and minister to us. And, and help in all kinds of ways. That doesn't mean we call on them or speak to them or whatever, but it means that they are there to actually, as we push through, they are doing, if we could see in the heavenly realms, they are very busy. Very busy. So know today it's a new wineskin. It's an apostolic one. It's one of the kingdom. One that will touch everything and change everything. There will be signs that make you wonder. And so, Jubilee Church, I want you to understand today, says the Lord, that you will usher in my reign in the context of outrageous worship. And Greg said that he looked around and you guys know how to worship. Something's already happening. And it's to actually say, we're doing it, now there's more. I want some more. The outrageous worship will mark this church in this new season. It will shift the atmosphere in this season. It will replace strongholds. The worship will replace strongholds. And out of this place will come outrageous worship all the time. You up for that? So get ready. For I'm redefining you. For the place that you dwell in the spirit is too small. I'm taking you to a much larger space. And even as the prophets built along the river Jordan, um, the place of promise, even so I'm calling you to build with the promises I have spoken over you. For now is the season of fulfillment. So I would suggest you get out your prophecies and start um, praying them into being. I suggest that you read this one. I don't know if you sent it to all the church, Rob. 
that you actually take it seriously and every few weeks read it and see where you are at and even say to Rob and the other guys, um, uh, how about stirring us again? We need to be stirred in this um, so that you get all the promises that have been put in this prophecy. As a church, you are so rich. Now, when Rob sent it to me some weeks ago, I got quite excited because from the beginning of the year, God has been speaking to me about Nehemiah. And what God said was, in this nation, he's looking for places, churches, where he can rest his Nehemiah anointing. And I think, wow, so I've been studying Nehemiah, um, and I just think, how exciting. Nehemiah, the rebuilder of broken walls. So I'm going to read to you from Nehemiah 1, 1 to 4. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. I just thought this morning when the the, uh, word about um, Birmingham was brought, it's a weeping, it's a, oh Lord, it's oh Lord, Birmingham, oh Lord. And then after that follows a prayer of confession for the sins of the Israelites and Nehemiah's own part in this. Um, I love the way he takes, something's gone wrong in the nation, he he says it's my fault as well. He owns it as well and asks for forgiveness. I find that quite powerful. He reminds God of his promise to Moses and that the people are his redeemed people. So come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. They're your redeemed people. He then asks for favor as he feels he has to approach the king. And then Nehemiah 2, verses 1 to 10. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought to him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? I think the king kind of was so happy with him. It's like, how long are you going to be? When are you going to get back? 
would love people to think that about me and us, to, that we are such a blessing that people want us around them. It pleased the king to send me, so I, so I set a time. I also said to him, watch the boldness growing. If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me with safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I also have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Don't you find that a most exciting, exciting account? I just love it. I love the oomph in it, the breakthrough. So I'm just going to go through some things that I got out of it, if that's okay with you. Nehemiah heard that the nation that he belonged to and that he loved was burnt and crumbling. He didn't blame the government. He didn't blame anybody else. He actually sat down and wept, took responsibility. Um... We as the church, we actually have power to build and to speak healing and wholeness. But I think, and this I come from my own nation as well, we are quick to point fingers at what the government is doing and not doing, why aren't they? Without saying, now hold on, we actually are the prayers of the government. We Do you know that in us, it sounds so arrogant, but it's not, is the answer for the nation? We are the answer. Christians are the answer to the nation. You know. I'm speaking what you know. But it's like, can we say that? Well, yes, because the Bible says that. And Nehemiah knew that something in him had power. And he wept. Because something had broken down. In Birmingham, Solihull, all around, things have broken down. That is why God gives a word about Kenilworth and um, uh, where else was it? All these Coventry? (laughs) Just Kenilworth. (laughs) But you see, God's heart is, I'm coming, I'm here, I'm coming. You may not want me, but I'm coming. And he comes in the form of the church. So it's a matter of us saying over a nation, we're coming, we're coming. He, he wept when he heard it, and his heart was deeply concerned. We've got to say to God, give us a concern to make this prophecy come to life. We can say, wow, aren't we good? Look at the prophecy we've got. And you know what? We get nowhere. But it's actually to get hold of it and say, oh, Lord, give us the concern for where we live, for wider, for this nation, and then the nations, let's have a good kingdom outlook. Um, Because we are about the nations. And in this nation, 
God has sent many nations into you. You don't even have to pay the fees to go to other nations. They've come in here. Because God wants to bring great healing through you to the nations. He mourned, fasted and prayed, confessed his sin. Then he rose to the challenge. And you know, this is a commissioning morning. So when I finished all this, I'm going to ask, who rises to this challenge? And this is a big thing. It's, it's not lightly done. It's not rah, rah, here we come. This is a massive thing. It's like God saying, who will stand in the breach for me? Who will go? Who will go? Then he rose to the challenge and asked God for success in approaching the king. Being the cupbearer to the king in those days, he had to be happy all the time. And he, was in, he wasn't part of that nation at all. He was actually a slave. And he had to be all. And you must remember he had to sip the wine first. So that if anybody put poison in, he would die. So that's what the cupbearer sounds wonderful, but actually he was the poison taker. And if he didn't die, then uh, the king would drink it. And he wasn't allowed to be miserable. But he was so concerned for the nation, he didn't know how not to be miserable. He, he couldn't make his face smile when his heart was so sad. But you know what I love? It says, I was very much afraid. And sometimes we think because we're Christians and we go into things that are risky, we've just got to click our heels and be full of the joy. We are very much afraid. It's scary when God gives us a commission. When I went into the townships in Cape Town for the first time, the sweat poured off me from fear. And in my mind, I I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this, really. And all the way driving my car, it was like, I just want to turn around and go home. I was so scared. And the fear lasted for years. And every time I came out of the township, I thought, I'll never go back there again. But when I, but next day, my feet went. My brain said, no, my feet went. But my joy came in actually being in the township. I loved it. When I came out, I thought, oh, where was I? Do you see? It's scary. So he was very much afraid that he would die. And so it's okay to be scared. It's not, you know, we don't have to be super spiritual about it. Um, And then the king asked him, what do you want? He didn't say, why are you miserable? Out with you, off with his head. He said, what do you want? Before answering, Nehemiah prayed. I just find that fantastic. What do you want? Lord, please help me. Lord, please help me. He knew where the power actually lay. What a model for us. But because the king had asked him, and there was breakthrough number one, he sniffed the breakthrough in his nostrils. And Nehemiah became very bold, and he gave the king his shopping list. Not only did he want letters for safety, for, for safety, but also timber to rebuild the walls. And then he said, but I'm going to have to live there. I want a house. Can you give me timber for a house? How, how bold is that? How bold? And sometimes we sell ourselves short. When God has commissioned us for something, 
You know, I've read, and I'm sure you've read various times on Twitter or whatever, where God orders something, he pays the bills. But we look at something, we think, we can't do that. Where's the money going to come from? Where are we going to? And we panic about and, oh, we'd better do this and that. But if God has commissioned you for something, he will pay it. He will get you praying through it and calling on him because it's not just easy money, others we don't grow. But he will pay his bills. He will pay for everything. So I did a project in in Cape Town because the people in the townships, having seen me do all the, you know, the Jesus stuff and leading people to the Lord and so on, and fighting for their, their rights, but they still lived in shacks. And they said to me, do you know what? Now this was not Christians. If your Jesus is as strong as you say he is, you ask him to give us a house. We want brick houses. We've never lived in a brick house. You've got a brick house. I want a brick house. I want an inside toilet, not a bucket system. I want lights in my house. And you know, we had no money. And I felt God say, I'll do it. And I thought, why can't he do it? Of course he can do it. So I said to the people, I'm going to ask God, he'll give you each a house. 650 houses. And you must know it's corrugated iron shacks and people have lived in it forever. And so, how do you... I mean, I drove out thinking, what have I just done? (laughs) If that wasn't God, then I've had it. Because, number one, I've messed with the poor. You don't make promises to the poor and not keep it. Because God's bias is towards the poor. He has no favorites, but the poor have no one to stand for them. The rich... And the middle class can afford lawyers and so on. The poor can afford nothing. So God himself steps in. And secondly, it's my own pride, egg on my face. And then it is also, but God is your name. So I said, even if I've got it wrong, please rescue me. But somehow I knew that it was God. And um, when I get a word like that, I go to the scriptures and I say, over the next month, give me a word from scripture which I can stand on so that when the enemy comes and says, was that really God? I can say, yes, the Bible says. And he gave me Isaiah 58, which had been my kind of uh, model working with the poor anyway. But in it, it says, you will be called as uh, the rebuilder of broken walls, which is Nehemiah which I only think of now, by the way, after all these years. And you will be called uh, the rebuilder of uh, houses, streets with dwellings. Streets, will you look in Isaiah? Streets with dwellings. And I thought, I'm going to get streets with dwellings. And I put a date there. It was very hard. It was. Three years later, our first house was put up. If If I take you there now... The whole community have got houses and the government was so impressed that they're just building all the time. I'm here as the building is going on because the, the stronghold had been broken saying if you're poor and you're black you cannot live in a house. So people have got houses with electricity and running water and so on. And I never fundraised a penny of it. I don't, know how to fu- I don't know how to fundraise. I haven't been given that ability. I admire and I say go for it with fundraising. I don't know how. And so I just stood and said, Lord, you said it, you better give. Because I don't know how to do this. 
and he just unlocked things in ways that I would never have thought of. And there they stand. So what God orders, he pays for. And Nehemiah put in his request because the favor of God was on him. And you see, when the favor of God is on us, we can be as bold as lions. We give our requests. The king granted his request and Nehemiah acknowledged the gracious hand of the Lord was on me. In the townships, the gracious hand of the Lord was on me because I had such favor there. As a white person, part of the oppressed, I should have been killed. But the gracious hand of the Lord was on me. And God gave me favor with the people. The king then gave army officers and cavalry to ride with him for protection. We have angels designated to us. We have angels. We've got our own cavalry, yeah? When the enemy heard of this, oh, you know, we can do nothing. That's why I did the session last night. We can do nothing without a, in your face, here comes the enemy. Um, when I said to you that I'd said to the people, you'll get houses, the first one went, first house went up three years later. The three years. <sighs> I would go into the townships and the people would come running, running, Mama Angela, any houses yet? No. Mama Angela, any houses yet? And then, oh, it's so embarrassing. Oh, Lord, do something. It was my own pride. It was, you got a deal. You see, in the process, it wasn't about the houses. It was God dealing with me and my faith and my pride. And, you know, I got houses for people. By the time we got the first house, I knew I didn't get houses for anybody. <laughs> do you see? Because he's shaping us. We are microwave Christians. We look at the end result. If you plant a church, I've planted two churches from scratch. You plant it, um, you think, now that is what God was looking for. But you know Jesus builds a church. He gets the glory. You couldn't do it. I could, you can't do it. But in the process, the jewels we receive is the process of obedience. It's not the end product because only he can get houses for the poor. Only he could make breakthrough in the townships or save people or plant churches. My jewels one day is, I didn't want to do it. But I did. And every time I did, the jewel is there. So I know I've got jewels, but it wasn't for the product of my hands. It was simple obedience. Do you see? It's not the end result. It's how we walk. And how we allow him to shape us. And he's certainly knocked edges of me in the process that uh, I would never even have known that I had. And he's still doing it. And, you know, until we die, we're gonna be, we are being shaped. You still doing all right? Yeah? We can expect warfare. Well, well, did the warfare come for me in those townships? Um, I had to phone... Um, Bankers to make appointments. I knew we weren't going to get money from banks. But I was the servant of the black people. And if they said, we want to go to banks, I went with them to banks. And they would look at us like, like we were scum. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And one feels quite unclean. 
And then inside myself I thought, you don't know who's in your presence. You don't know who lives inside us. And my whole being would rise and I would actually see people without, I never said anything, but I could see the atmosphere like, whoa, something's changed here. And the respect came. Because when we own who we are, we walk with uh, the presence of God all around us, the aroma of Christ wafts off us as we walk around. But if we I don't know who I am, then we are fair game for the enemy. <coughs> Nehemiah inspected the wall by night by himself. He didn't blab about it to everybody. You know, I've got a commission. Oh, look, God has spoken to me. He looked to see what the damage was. And he, he, he counted the cost. He looked and saw before he even approached people. When Nehemiah did approach the people, God's favor was on him and they listened to him. He gave them vision. You see, our job as an apostolic people is to give vision to the church, wherever we go, to each other and to whoever comes near us. Even when people who aren't Christians come near us, we give them vision. We are vision bearers. You're able to give vision? It's like saying to God, what's next? What's next? And he gives you this wide vista to look at. And the prophecy that Julian gave is massive vision. Nehemiah was mocked, ridiculed. The people were mocked and ridiculed. Sanballat and Tobiah, Sanballat and Tobiah came. And they said, even if a fox, even if a fox jumps on these burnt stones... Just knock them over. And the interesting thing is, in Song of of Songs, it says, catch for us the little foxes that destroy the vineyard. It's not the big wolves, because we see them and we're quite clever with them, but it's the little foxes that come. And it's interesting to me that Sanballat and Tobiah said, even if a fox, you know, it's the derogatory, even if a fox jumps on, on the wall, it's going to be broken. Why are you building? All the stones have been burnt. And you're building with burnt stones. Well, I'm a burnt stone. And so are you. Do you see? And we look at people, we think, can God do anything with these? God loves burnt stones. Jesus died for burnt stones. So we build with what God has given us. But Nehemiah said, the God of heaven will give us success. The God of heaven will give us success. So even while I was battling with the housing and thinking, will I ever get these houses? I wouldn't go down the path of, what if it doesn't work? I wouldn't even enter that. As the doubts came, what if? I thought, no, God must do it. He said he must do it. I expect him to do it. It's for his people. I want him to do it. So the God of heaven gives success. Faith in what God has said is important to keep us going. Each team repaired part of the wall given to them to do. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't Josh jostling and he's got a better job than me and so on. Each one did what they were called to do. 
Shalem, ruler of half district of Jerusalem, repaired the section with the help of his daughters. Now often we read the Old Testament and it's like women were nothing. And yet here the daughters were included in the rebuilding of the wall. So nobody is left out. And so even women, don't sell yourself short. Get into place to rebuild. Some went away from home to rebuild. Others built in front of their houses. I just find that fascinating too. No matter where God has called us, we have a chance to make a difference. Some will be at home, some will be in secular work, and some will be in full-time in the office, you know, on a full-time church staff. But each one is called where they are to rebuild. People got discouraged because when the enemy comes, he whittles away. You know, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that destroy. And so we don't talk about the things that are niggling us because they're so small. It's like sometimes even bringing a testimony, you think, that was a good testimony. Mine is like nothing. Those are the little foxes that destroy? Nothing. Anything God does is big. Whether it is somebody getting out of a wheelchair and walking, or somebody who had the full night's sleep for the first time in five years. It has the same quality. It is miraculous. So we celebrate everything. And so the people got discouraged. And so they set up manning, men to man where the wall was lower. They set up people with spears to actually protect. And I think prayer meetings of protection is very vital as you step into rebuilding walls. Um, to get together at little groups or to phone someone and say, pray for me right now. But we don't. But what if they're busy? I'm never too busy to pray for someone. It's a two-minute prayer and then that's it. And so we should be calling on each other because Nehemiah, if you want a, a recipe of how to go forward, look at Nehemiah. He got people manned uh, and the one had a, what is it, a trowel in the one hand and a spear in the other. It's like we are busy but we've got our Bible, the Word, with us all the time. So it's, it's, a, it's both and, both and, all the time. They carried the material with one hand and held a weapon with the other. I just think that is fantastic. They were on guard all the time. And that isn't like, where's the enemy? But it is, you know, the Bible says we are not unaware of the wiles of the enemy. And that's all it is. It's like eyes on guard and then something happens and think, oh, it's him again. Right, let's do something about it. Lord, will you sort that out and bring these things to God immediately? When they heard the trumpet, they rallied to Nehemiah. Nehemiah said to them, you all separated around the wall. When I blast, when the, the trumpet player blasts, come. And when they came, it was for uh, new instructions. It was actually to get them together to bond again. And so this, on a Sunday, that is the trumpet call, come together, even if one is discouraged. I, lo- I loved what Bernice said, that even though she was as miserable as anything, she came. Yeah, 
she came. She sat there because somewhere deep inside her, the Holy Spirit kept her going to know that if I sit in God's, the company of God's people, something's going to happen to me. If I withdraw, how long will it take for my healing? So come, because the trumpet has blown. If there's a family night, um, come, because there are things. It's the, it's the wall builders rallying together to rebuild, because we need each other. We really need... I've, I feed off what I do. Like People say, are you tired? No, I get energized by this. Tomorrow I'll be tired. But I get energized, but leave me alone for a week. I'm as miserable as anything. You will agree that happens to us? Um, If we haven't been in contact with other people who can help build us up. And as we build up, we get built up as well. The enemies sent letters uh, to Nehemiah to say that he was going to be killed. And I love this. Now if somebody sends us a letter to say, everybody, you know, all people around don't like you and they're going to come and stone your house or put something through your letterbox which is not pretty or whatever, we think, oh, I better stop. I just love Nehemiah. Should a man such as I get down from the wall? Will that be what is written over us? Should a man such as I, should a woman such as I get down from the wall? It's a choice. We choose to actually move on regardless. The work was done in 52 days. I feel because it's a Nehemiah call on your your church... It's not going to take years and years and years. It actually comes to an end. There is a, that's what I love about Nehemiah. 52 days, it was done. All that trouble, it was done. What God spoke, he did. And so you are going to go uh, advance into Birmingham and so on. And you're actually going to see things happen. You are actually going to uh, inherit what God has promised you. It's not a, well, it could happen, go on forever. Nehemiah rebuilt the wall in 52 days. The enemy lost their, the enemies lost their confidence as they realized the work was done with the help of our God. You see, when we push through and not give up, the enemy says, oh no, let me go find someone else because they're not, they're not listening to me. So my mindset is, when I wake up in the morning, or wherever I go, I want the enemy to say, oh no, yeah, she comes again. <laughs> Do you see? I, I really, that's how I live. And um, somebody prophesied over me some years ago, that where I walk, the thorn bushes will part way. And that's what it is. The th- at the time, I didn't even realize it was like warfare. I just thought, oh, that's, that's really nice. You know, when people give us a word, oh, that's really nice. But when I've thought of it, that's exactly what happens. The thorn bushes give way. I expect it. That doesn't mean life is easy. But I expect to win. Does it sound arrogant? No. No? I expect to win because the Bible, I can't find anything negative in the Bible. If you find something negative for us as Christians, please come and show me. And when I read the back of the book, Revelation we won and we win? 
So, you know, if I get killed in the process as a martyr, so? Bigger jewel? Do you see how how I think? It's like God wins. I win. I win, but the battle's big. I don't make light of it. Let me tell you, the battle's big. But when you've come through, the relief, you look back and you think, oh, I'm so glad I didn't give up. Do you know how many times I wanted to give up in Cape Town? Do you know how many times? And now I look back and say, thank you, Lord, for not listening to me weeping and self-pitying and, oh, I can't do this anymore. This is all too difficult. I don't know what I'm doing. Thank you, Lord. And when I go back home to the church in Cape Town, also Jubilee Church, um, and it's, it's a big church, very multicultural, very. And as if God takes my chin and he says, now look, aren't you happy I didn't listen to you at that time? <laughs> yes, Lord. Because it is. Sometimes God mustn't answer our prayers because he's got a bigger picture involved. And it's about choices. Drag your feet, but keep on going. Even if you drag your feet, keep on going. Then Nehemiah called people together and they, they, they read the law to the men and women and all who were able to understand, children. Men, women and children. Somebody pointed out sometime that it would have been all the children because if all the men and women were listening to Nehemiah and, and to Ezra and all of them, who was looking after the babies and the smaller children? There wouldn't have been anybody. Therefore, that means everybody was there. Because even as we read things about God over children, it comes to life and it lands in a good place. And then Israel read, and they praised the Lord, and the people lifted their hands and bowed their faces to the ground. And then they were told, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send to those who have nothing prepared. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. What a way to end Nehemiah. And I just feel that God has commissioned you with a Nehemiah call. And I went through it in detail so that you have a bit of a, this is how it's going to be. This, you know, doing the Nehemiah. We will have Sanballat and Tobiah. We will have God's favor on us if we even see that it's God's favor. We've got to look for God's favor. He will provide. He will give all the bucks that is needed for everything that he wants. He will provide the people. He's going to give you 300. And that's a start. You've got to have big vision. You've got to get kingdom vision for this whole area. It's to Birmingham and then, you know, and it's, and it's Kenilworth and Coventry. But there's more. And the people whom God has sent into Solial and Birmingham, you've got nations there. Some of them have been sent just to inherit from you, to take back to their nations. And so give. Give. Don't be perturbed by other nations. Give what you've got. And one day God sends them back to their nation to give away. And the thing that has struck me, um, I think it's Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. And when the, you know the goats, you did not feed, you, uh, give me water and stuff. But with the sheep, um, 
come to my father. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And you know what they say? When did we do that? You know, we are looking all the time for results. But I, I gave the gospel to that person and nothing happened. We results, microwave Christians. Funnily enough, the sheep were called and they didn't know what they had done because it was so natural and normal that it was like, when did I do that? Well, you know, when you did. Oh, but that was nothing. But that was for me. And you're going to find that when we stand before God one day, people are going to come and say, thank you so much. You just said something to me. You just prayed with me. You just just greeted me. You gave me a word at just the right time. I was going to commit suicide and you just said hello to me. And my whole world opened up and you think, what? When did I do that? So don't look with the eyes always to see. Yeah, but I've got, they've got lots of fruit and I've got nothing. Your fruit is there and God will show it. And there's another verse that says, who, who bore me these? From the east and the west your sons will come. And you say, who bore me these? So be aware that just carrying Jesus in you makes a difference in other people's lives. And they're all going to come from all over. And you're going to say, look at this. They are all mine. But I did nothing. And Jesus said, that's right. But the little thing you did, you did it for me.